are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producers shop talk where we are refining redefining the sales game and before we even get started i want to make sure everybody knows that we have a place you can go and collaborate and corroborate and pontificate with other agents in the Power Producers Mastermind. Now, we have started building this thing out considerably. We have the private group on LinkedIn, but we have also started building the learning center for the mastermind. And if you go to killingcommercial.com, you will find more information there. But we're doing live Zoom calls that we're recording and posting. We're doing real-time interaction. We're doing some one-on-one coaching as producers need help. This is a paid service, but it is dirt cheap for what you get. And I can assure you that if you need help one-on-one getting focused or being held accountable, there are far worse choices you could make. That being said, we're going to give you some of the free stuff that you're probably not executing anyhow because you just listen to this because you like the way we sound. I don't know. That's what I was told. I've been told 85 to 90% of the people will never execute what you tell them. So that's why we give you all 15 ingredients to Aunt B's chili, period. There you go. I made some chili last week. My mom said it was really good. I got to tell you, if you have not made the... I don't even remember what it's called, the over-under chili or whatever it is that you can make on the Kamado Joe, green egg, all of that, where you have this massive bowl well, of meat that that's, sits oh, on the grate. Oh, and it just kind of goes through and it. it goes it down like into sinks, the Dutch okay. oven that's loaded with the beans and everything else. I'm going to have to try that next time. I remember seeing you post something about that, but no, I just threw it it's in the good, crock man. pot, man. I it's just a little threw different. The gra- yeah. It's, it's got that so smoky it, flavor. Right. So, yeah. I mean... I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite chili. It's not. Okay. Okay. But it's good. It's worth doing. Say you did it. How long you throw that bad boy on there? Same as that you would a, in like a crock pot? That is a giant hunk of meat that goes yeah. on there. I mean, I think it weighs like five pounds. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be too it's much, huge. man. I'd have to freeze it and, and whatever. We do. No, I just threw like a little pound of ground beef and d- did it in the uh, the old crock pot. It was, it was pretty solid. Nice little kick yep. to it. That was actually a good move, too, with the cold snap that we had. That was perfect chilly weather. Yeah, for sure. That's why it happened. Well, listen, I think that based on what I have had to deal with for current events in some of the recent conversations that we've had, I think we should talk about how to have a financial discussion with your client or your prospect and then tie your point to that financial discussion to drive the wedge. That's that's what I think we should talk about. Okay. I, I, I think that 
before we even get started, there's a huge distinction between that and like selling on price because I think people will oh, kind of yeah. get no, no, that no. Completely confused. Because um, you start hearing discussion about money and cost and, and this and that. We're talking about something totally different here. Yeah, completely different. I'm talking about how you can go in and know enough about how a company operates that you can tie dollars of a loss or operating costs to their annual budget and show them in a different way how something is affecting their operation. That, mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. This has people listen to me clearly. This has nothing to do with insurance, period. Nothing. I'm not even yeah. talking about premium or anything else. And so I've got a few favorite stories. I don't know. Do you have any or you want me to share mine? I'm thinking I'm kind of, uh, I'll let you start and I'll see if I can think. Cause of I mean, yours are going to be similar to mine anyhow, for obvious reasons, I would think, but right. Um, you know, one of my favorites is when I went into one of my plumbing contractors and had hammered them about return to work. They did a really good job of putting it in, but I also hammered them because they had an employee on the loss runs that was a plumber that had Mm. been injured three times, three times in two years. And I asked him, why is this person still here? I don't understand. Like, why does this person keep getting injured? It's only a matter of time until the big one comes. Listen to me. Mm -hmm. This is not a matter of if, but when. And the response I got was, do you know how hard it is to hire plumbers these days? (laughs) To which my response was, it's even harder when you're paying money out to one sitting on the sidelines and paying more in workers' comp as a result of you not listening to my advice. And they chose to keep the guy. They didn't They didn't put him into any kind of a queue to figure out a way to get him out the door. And I'm not, listen, people, I'm not talking about firing somebody in retaliation. That's not what no. I'm saying. But my gosh, if you're operating so sloppy that you have three injuries in two years, there's probably some corners you're cutting in your job, and it's as much 100%. of a performance issue as anything else. If I see an employee that's been injured three times in, in two years, I'm wondering how many general liability claims they're responsible for, right? Yeah. How sloppy is their work product at the point of sale when they're going out and putting in the water heater or whatever else? That's a good point. And that's an easy thing. You can cross-reference that, and you can look and see and say, hey, look, out of curiosity, who was your tech on this claim? Who was your tech on this claim? And see if, if you can. there's a correlation there. I believe that there is. I, I'll admittedly say that I didn't do it in that case. I just thought about yeah. it. But it's certainly something you could do. But they chose to keep this guy around, and guess what happened? The big one. Mm-hmm. They had the big one with this dude. What was he doing? Traipsing through somebody's front yard with an armload of pipes, doesn't see a hole, steps in it, twists his knee, out 16 weeks with surgery. Oof. So being the sarcastic person that I am, when I went over to visit with my client, I get went up and gave him a big pat on the back and said, hey, man, congrats. I just want to give you a big pat on the back for having the first six-figure plumber in the Tampa Bay area. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, you got a six-figure plumber on staff. He said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't, I, my, my best plumbers make $60,000 a year. I said, I know that's the, that's the part I want you to understand because you didn't listen to me. Your experience mod jumped up 20 points on $200,000 in premium. So you have an extra $40,000 of expense associated with that employee because we didn't figure out a way to, to get him 
to operate cleanly or get him out the door. So you are now paying $100,000 a year to employ him, plus all of the other costs over the next three years. That's your $100,000 plumber, period. How long do you so think So does it light took? bulb go off at that point? Oh, or, dude, or? guy was gone in under a month. Right. Right? Yeah. And it was amicable. We ended up, he, uh, he ended up getting a partial disability rating. It wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. And so the the way that that typically goes down is the carrier will make an offer, and then typically is the employer you just cut a check for a hundred bucks in the unconditional release, and they're gone. And hmm. if you do it the right way, not only do you get them to waive liability there, but they also agree to not bring any other type of suit against the company. Right. So okay. he can't come. He, we had a release to where he wouldn't be able to come back and file an employment practices claim against us or anything else. So it ended up working out well in the end. But, you know, that's a problem. And here's the other thing not only, and if I really wanted to, to, to just freaking grind it in, not only did it cost him on his mod, but the problem is that the loss ratio was infected affected in such the a way that dividend. it cost him probably like 15 or 20,000 on his dividend too. Mm. So, you know, you can only have so much compassion for people when you give them the right advice. I mean, I, I sent right. a video out this week to a client. I'll save that for the next episode. I'll save that okay. one for the next one because I think it's a good one. We're going to talk about shady shit contractors do in the next one, I think, because I've got a library that I can go off of at this point. We could, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we could talk about that for weeks. Actually, yeah, you got one that I got involved. I've got in. a, a million, and it's not. Yeah. And, and let me let me let me make this clear: it's not people that I'm prospecting. This is stuff that's coming no. in. It's all this crap um, your wife gives you, man. Yeah, well, that. <laughs> That that's partly true as well. Um, God, yeah. Anyhow, um, I mean, best? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a situation similar. I mean, I, I, there's one that um, a, a, a marina that I have that um, they've got kind of a repeat guy, and I just straight up asked them. I was like, hey, look. Is this like? Look, they need to, for that guy. They need to find a Lincoln Town car with limo tin on the windows to pull up at four o'clock on Friday, and he yeah. never gets seen again. Right. It, it. It just like you know. All right. This is the second massive claim that this dude has had in the past year. What's going on? Like, is this guy a good worker? Like, are these like what? What are we thinking about this? And I mean that. They they've like vouched for this dude, and that you know that's that's fine. I wasn't. I well, was the just reason they're vouching question. for him is because they're not the ones shelling out all the money. They're not going to be eligible well, for a renewal they, next year at this point. Yeah, they they're not shelling out the money this particular year, but they're going to be when their their mod goes through the freaking roof because of this guy's two massive claims. But yeah, it's um, going to be the mod plus consent to rate for that that piece for sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of other similar situations that you just described, and I'm having having trouble doing that. Well, Thinking I can is tell you, for me. What, yeah, no, one of my mo's is you know, and I think everybody should do this. It, it shows that you're really going to another level with your prospects. But I, I think that you know, if you can go in and assume a revenue threshold and assume a profit margin on a company, that opens the door for you to have some pretty interesting conversations so there's an art to doing it 
because you don't want to offend them. So you right. always want to estimate the sales a little bit higher than where they're at because, mm-hmm. and, and I'm talking on a first meeting or just a basic, you know, going back and presenting the findings of something, not, hey, mm-hmm. we have all of the underwriting information for the applications. We're not at that stage yet. So right. we may not even know what the annual revenues are. I typically don't even ask that, honestly, because I feel like we have it from Reference USA. And I like to go in and make the assumption. So if a company's doing like seven or eight million a year and you're pretty confident in that, I'm gonna go ten million. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually gonna go ten percent on the profit margin because it's easy math and they can figure it out from there. If they're only doing five million and the impact is is what it is on a ten million dollar company. They're going to figure that out. If they're only doing 5% profit, then they realize that it's actually worse for them than if they're doing 10. But what I like to do is I like to calculate the total cost of risk. I take the insurance premiums, the soft costs, the retained losses, just write down the textbook formula of total cost of risk, come Mm -hmm. up with whatever that number is, and then I, I relate that to their annual sales and their profit margin. So let's just say that it's a million dollars in profit at 10 million a year, you know, at 10%. Mm-hmm. And we're going to divide that by 12 because that's the mm-hmm. number of months in a year. And then I'm going to look to see how many months at, you know, one twelfth of a million. This is where the math got squirrely on me. I'll have to go to my 1976 adding machine over here to give you the exact number. But basically what I want to do is I want to show them how many months they're working to pay for their total cost of risk. Mm-hmm. In most cases, if you go into a company that's a high mod company, you're going to find that they're working three or four months a year just to pay for the total cost of risk. And they have no idea because nobody's ever come in and explained it to them. The people that go in, talk to them about their insurance premium, but they don't talk about the soft costs Mm -hmm. or any of the other things. And that's a very, very powerful discussion. Nobody wants to work four months for free. And it's no, definitely not. And it's and it's relatively easy to follow. I mean, even someone myself that reads at a third grade level and can barely do long division <laughs> can can follow that. Um, By the way, can I but, just tell you how much long division sucks with the Common Core math? Like, uh, my kids bring their I homework very, home, and I have to, I have to go well, to YouTube to figure that's it like out. That's like one of my that, yeah. I, I'm like I am confident that when Nash is in like second grade and he brings me home his his math homework, I'm gonna have a real struggle. I'm going to have a real struggle it, and I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to So do. it's interesting because with like addition, subtraction, multiplication, I'm good. I can do that. I'm good. I, I, but what I'm saying is the way that Common Core teaches that is actually how I already do it in my head. I was doing it that way back when I was a kid because it made sense. So, you know, if you've got, you know, two numbers, you round up to the closest 10 or whatever yeah. so that you, it's easy math and then Easier, you realize right. how many you went up and you subtract it off the total, blah, 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 blah. But sure. that's that's how I figure out percentages, right? Like, so when okay. when we're shopping, Annie will say, this is $20 with 60% off. How much am I going to pay for it? Well, you're going to pay eight bucks. How did you do that mm-hmm. that quick? Because I know 10% of 20 is $2 multiplied by four is 40%, which is eight. Right. That's how I do the math. And for whatever reason, I'm wired that way. So when they got to that level, it was okay. Algebra, good. Geometry, good. You throw that freaking common core 
like massive multiplication and long division in there. And it's like, dude, you're working 10 times as hard as you need to, to do this. And by the way, like you almost, I've never used any of that shit in my life. Like calculus and trig and all this crazy stuff that I learned in, in school. No. Calculus is a period of time that I will never get back in my life. I'm pretty sure I just copied everybody else's homework. I don't know how else I would have gotten through it. We all failed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's no way. But, I think um, the other thing, though, before we before we wrap up, I think there's a, there's another piece to this, though. In, in it, when I talk about having the operational discussion or working operations with your client and not focusing on the insurance, it's what separates you from everybody else. And we we say the same thing over and over and over again, but it's true. Like I've I've literally had two. It's been an interesting experience. I've had two producers that don't work at Florida Risk attend client meetings with me to see how we operate. Like mm-hmm. literally when Nicole and I were over at our new account in Orlando, you know, at the beginning of last week, there was mm-hmm. a producer from an agency that had lost out on that account in the room yeah. with me because he reached out to me and I told him, I'm an open book. I'll show you how I do it. Come on in, take notes. You know, I'm not worried about you taking the account from me. I'll show you everything that I do. We have a great relationship at this point. And we walked through how we onboard with KPA and everything else. And the dude's like, holy crap, man, like you really do this stuff. You don't just make it up and put it on a podcast. You don't just make it up and stick it on YouTube. You actually have that software. You actually have that onboarding sheet. You're actually have an employee in your organization. I feel like it'd be way harder to to make it up if we actually didn't do it. (laughs) It'd be like, yeah, just because this crazy why would I take convoluted the time? lie. <laughs> yeah, like, like, why would I take the time to learn this stuff to just <laughs> right. regurgitate it? Right? I mean, yeah, crazy. But anyhow, um, th- in, in yeah. the course of that conversation, though, you know, I think I, I go back a lot of the times for the operational discussion to our account that's a, a, a nice sized resort over in Orlando, yeah. and the fact that when I originally engaged with them, the mod was well over two. Um, they were having problems. They did not have return to work. It was a textbook case for the return to work for me, man, easily because right. it, it was boom. You know, they they said they had it and I immediately did my normal deal where I completely no one ever ignored has. it. Yeah, and, and just started asking questions. But more importantly, you know, I wanted to get into how them not having light duty was affecting them financially. Not not mm-hmm. not in the mod calculation, in general. So mm-hmm. I started asking questions and I said, look, based on what I'm seeing in your loss runs, it appears your top two departments for losses are both our maintenance and housekeeping. Let's mm-hmm. start with housekeeping. Let's talk about that. You know, what's going on? Well, we're short staffed and, you know, we, we, we can't get rooms turned and it's, you know, we're, we're, we're missing sometimes 10, 15 rooms a day because we just don't have enough time because these injured people are killing us and the staffing companies are giving us rent drunks. And it was one thing after the other. And I said, well, let's, let's talk about this. I don't know how you operate. I actually, crazy enough, I had a job as a night auditor in a hotel when I lived in West Virginia. Of course you did. Listen, cut cowboy, you've had way <laughs> more jobs than I have. But uh, probably. I, I, I did. I, I mean, well, listen, it, that was an economic circumstance. I worked at Finish Line in the mall for four and a quarter during the day. I'd go for home and sleep. For that employee discount. Yeah, I would I would sleep for four hours. I would go in the comfort inn and do the night auditing where I blocked the rooms and closed out the day and, and did the books for $4.75 an hour. And then I would Jeez. go home and sleep for four hours and I'd go to the finish line and rinse, wash, repeat. So anyhow, 
at the end of the day, I, I had an understanding, but I wanted to hear what they had to say. And, and they said, well, I said, what's the first thing you do at housekeeping? Well, we have a huddle to talk about how we're going to operate safely. And I said, well, it doesn't seem like that's going very well for you. But what, <laughs> what do you do after that? And they said, well, you know, we make sure the carts are stocked with everything they need. They got to fill their amenity bags and put them in there and just kept going on and on. And I was like, stop. Why? are the housekeepers that are full strength spending any time at all filling amenity bags with soap, shampoo, lotion, conditioner, and all of that? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have a table, like a card table set up where we can use this as a light duty job and that person can either stand or sit but fill amenity bags all day and put them on the carts so that when the housekeeping people come in, they don't have to do anything other than verify that their carts are loaded with what they need and come in. And so we did that. And it was a matter of, A, getting the people back to work and keeping the indemnity off of the mod, but B, from a business perspective, now these people were picking up another 10, 15 rooms a day across all of the different crews because they weren't losing that 30 to 45 minutes per crew in the morning, right? 45 right. minutes is pretty much one crew turning one room. And if you've right. got you know, a dozen crews or more, that's what you're going to get. But yep. I feel like people would just go, well, let me see if I can't get my comp carrier to quote this for you. Let me see if I can't get them to to give us a better rate. Oh, let me see if I can't negotiate to have them give you a better dividend or no consent to rate or whatever else. When really the value that I brought to them was fix your process, bro. Yeah, totally. I think that's something that would slip past most people there, you know, picking up on the uh, fact that the, um, that the clean, that the cleaning staff was, um, you know, spending spending time doing something that totally could be done by, um, you know, anyone else, and allow them to keep being productive, and and, and that's you know that's what you're talking about, right? Is is relating there a, a certain a value, whether it's time or money or both, to a particular task, and how that's having an impact negatively for them? Because mo most places aren't going to realize that. I mean, you know, you're you've got experience in a lot of different areas and especially with operations and that's how your brain kind of thinks. But, you know, even, even the people that are running the operations for the hotel, I mean, it's, it seems like that would be a no brainer. Like you would be able to pick up on that. Not so much. No. And I think it's because people are uncomfortable. You know, they don't want to take the time to ask the questions because they think the questions make them look stupid. Was there anything in my questioning that I just outlined that made me look dumb? No, it made me look interested. Guess what? Right. Clients and prospects find interested people interesting, period. It's a proven fact. If you're interested in them, they're going to be interested in you and what you're doing. And by going to a completely different level than what your competition is, they're going to find you to be more interesting than your competition, which means more conversations, better conversations, and better opportunity, period. So mm -hmm. if you're not having operational discussions with your clients and then figuring out a way to tie back financial performance, not just on the risk management piece, but in the, the business overall, to whatever the agenda is that you're trying to push, you're missing a great opportunity to drive a wedge, your competition simply is not willing to drive. So with you go. that being said, take us out of here, man. Hey, everybody. If you like this podcast, please do us a favor, leave us a review, throw us a like, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. We appreciate you for listening, and we will catch you next time on Power Producer Shop Talk. See ya. And Nash says, what's up? been 
listening to Power Producers Shop Talk. You can follow us at the Power Producers Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to take your game to the next level, check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit Amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book, The Extra Two Minutes.